Welcome to the Popcorn for One fortnightly podcast. Grab your popcorn and make sure you're sitting comfortably. Popcorn for One is about to review some classic and not so classic films for you all to enjoy. It may even want to make you watch these films yourself. your fortnightly film podcast i hope you've all had a fantastic two weeks i hope you're getting a bit more festive i hope if you've been called up you've been triple jabs now for your booster so yeah good on you keep doing what you're doing right we're gonna have a quick run through about what we're gonna talk about today we are going to go through the news very quickly we're gonna go through what i've watched in the last fortnight which might take a while we're then gonna look at what you all been watching in the last fortnight i'm then gonna have a discussion about whether a certain film is a christmas film or what makes a christmas film a christmas film and then we're gonna do this fortnight's big review so that's quite a lot to get on with let's see how we go shall we let's start It's time to talk this fortnight's news, which you probably then won't get a news again for a little while because I'm not sure I'll be able to fit it in when we do the next podcast. So let's see how we go, shall we? Right, um, let's start off with trailers. Um, there's a new DC Super Pets trailer, which has The Rock as Superman's dog and Henry Cavill as Superman. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I probably won't go and see it unless I take my friend's kids, but that still is pretty cool. Um, I won't need to take kids to go and see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, the new film, which is going to be in two parts. That was a bonus extra trailer that we weren't expecting at the weekend, wasn't it? Across the Spider-Verse part one, which means we're going to get two. Ah! And then there's also been a brand new Spider-Man trailer, which looks epic and yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's going to be good, isn't it? Oh, a week, just over a week to go. We get it early, so that's very good. Um, so that's your main trailer news. Um, we did have a new trailer for the HBO Harry Potter um, extravaganza that's happening on New Year. Um, that looked very cool, and yeah, just isn't New Year's Day yet? <laughs> Um, we've also been told that um, we're going to get um, a Fred Astaire movie in the next couple of years. And that's going to be um, Tom Holland starring in it, which is going to be fantastic. Um, for all the Americans that go like, well, we only danced on lip sync um, battle online um, and did Umbrella. Um, no, he was Billy Elliot forever and ever in the West End. So, you know... The man can dance, otherwise he wouldn't have got that gig, would he, when he was a kid? So that's good. Um, there's also um, been announced that Anna Diarmas has replaced Scarlett Johansson in uh, Ghosted, which is star- which she was meant to star again opposite Chris Evans. So that will be interesting to see how that dynamic works again, because we haven't seen that since Knives Out. Just as long as Chris Evans is wearing another nice sweater, you know, that knitwear. Hmm... I think I need to watch Knives Out again for Chris Evans' knitwear. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> but no, that was a good chemistry, so that will work quite well again. Um, other announcements um, this fortnight has been that we are getting a third Magic Mike movie. Magic Mike The Last Dance is coming out in the next 18 months. We're filming it at the moment. That sounds epic. When the last one came out, I went with two friends, and both of them were... Well, one was trying to get pregnant with her first child, and one was... Um, quite a way through her pregnancy with her first child and it was like oh okay so now they've both got two kids and all their kids are at school so this will be quite interesting to take two mums to go and see Magic Mike on first time they didn't have any kids at all so that will be fun um Adam Driver has said that he's up for returning as Kylo Ren and Ben Solo in any form in Star Wars so that's pretty cool I look forward to seeing that um whether that be on Disney Plus or actually in the cinema or whether it's going to be in Tyker's version of Star Wars. We'll find out, won't we? Um, HBO is no longer going to have a simultaneous release on streaming and in cinema. Their year trial, which they've just been doing, um, is coming to an end on New Year's Day. That will be the last time that you can do that. After that, films from HBO and Warner Brothers will be released um, for 45 days in the cinema before it is put on streaming but you will still have to pay for it on streaming and then it will be free after a three-month period which is a small victory I mean ideally it would still be the three-month window that you should get before it comes out on DVD before you can stream it um, but that's not the case so 45 days is a good leeway in, in a sense so that's all right um Steam Spielberg's um, West Side Story is obviously coming out this week, which will be very good, which I'll probably be seeing at the weekend, which will be fantastic. Um, but he's been very vocal in the fact that there's no um, Spanish subtitles when Spanish people are speaking in Spanish and that he wanted a Latinx um, cast for all of the um, sharks and whites for the jets. So that, to make sure that it was correct for the era because he wanted to make sure it was so correct that you know that Puerto Ricans should be Puerto Ricans basically so I am looking forward to seeing that this week that is going to be fantastic I really hope it's going to be fantastic anyhow um Ridley Scott had a bit of a moan at millennials this week um he said that the reason that his films haven't done that well is because millennials haven't gone to see them recently for The Last Duel and for House of Gucci when I have been to go and see the Last Jewel and House of Gucci, both times I'd say at least 75%, if not more, of the audience when I've been to see it have been millennials. <laughs> and we're all there because we all are gener- we are all the generation where we were 10, 12 to 20 watching Gladiator when we were little. And we watched that and we got a taste of that and yeah. Now he's making films with people that are our age, that look cool, and we all sit around and go like, yeah, we're going to watch that, we're going to watch that. So I think that was really unfair what he said about us and millennials. Um, Because, yeah, most of his audience that I've been to are millennials. Maybe it's just a Brighton thing, possibly, but, oh well. (sighs) Finally, Empire Magazine released its top 100 films, as voted for. By us, the public, submitted my vote. Spent ages thinking, right, that it's going to be this, it's going to be that. For the last couple, they do it about every four years, this vote. 
And the last couple of times, it's been either The Godfather or The Empire Strikes Back, which is fitting, because, you know, it's Empire magazine. <sighs> or Shawshank. It was Lord of the Rings. Sorry, I should have said, spoiler. It's Lord of the Rings for Fellowship of the Ring is the number one film voted for by Empire. The rest of the top five, which was The Godfather, Empire Strikes Back, Shawshank and Jaws, are more deserving than that film. Okay, I have only watched that film twice in my life. I do. It is all on my rewatch list at the moment to do, but unless I want to sit for four hours watching it on ITV with adverts because it's not on ITV, but I, I can't do that because it's not available on Netflix, <laughs> which is a pain. Um, if Netflix could sort that out and put all of Lord of the Rings on there, but put it on there for a little while, so then I do have time to digest and watch them all, I would be willing to do that. However, is it the greatest film of all time? Nah. There's a few shocks in there. There's a few films that missed out on the list and a few things that really dropped off quite a bit. And you do, I did sit there and think, who has actually voted in this? Who is it? And then I was like, well, I did. <laughs> I mean, Inception still came pretty high, that, which was quite good. Uh, Paddington 2 made the list. There were some films where you suddenly think, like, oh, okay. I was surprised that Endgame and Infinity War ended as high as they actually did on the list. I know that they're the two biggest films in the world, but it's still like, oh, okay, really? Hmm. But, yeah, that was an interesting read. And, yeah, I think they got it wrong. I know that Empire Strikes Back is one of my favourite films, but I think they got it wrong. <sighs> Sorry, people. That's it for the news. Um, like I said, you probably won't get news on my next podcast. It'll probably just me be me telling you what I've been watching and what you've been watching. So I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Time for the rundown of exactly what I've been watching in the last fortnight. There is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13, 14, 14 films for me to chat to you about. Although in theory it's actually 13 and actually it's probably more like 12. So let's do this, shall we? And we're not going to chat about the first one. We're not going to chat about King Richard. That is my big review for the fortnight, which will be coming at the end of the episode. So fast forward to that if you want to listen to that now. But let's be honest, you're here for the rundown. I know it. Um, and then my Disney Plus runs out soon and I've been trying to watch stuff on there and I was just sitting there and just wanted something quick and short to watch one evening uh so I put on Hercules Hercules and Jercules and there's some absolute epic lines in it one of the best is when they're all busy discussing um what's gone wrong in everything and how bad it's all fallen apart or whatever and the plague of locusts turns up and one of them turns around and goes that's it I'm moving to Sparta that is such as a kid that is such an underrated line just goes straight over your head as an adult you're sitting there like yes perfect the fact that Hades also goes guys relax it's only half time it's the exact middle part of the film the songs are good the pop culture references are brilliant it's 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 underrated it's ridiculously underrated Disney film but it hits and it's good it's very, very good. Um, I then went round to my parents to watch football, and they obviously have multiple film channels, which I don't. If I want to watch a film, I basically have to stop to watch a film. <laughs> um, and 
I was just flicking through. I was like, oh, what can I watch? What can I find or whatever? And on there was Early Man. So I stopped and I watched Early Man on their TV. Watched the majority of it. We got to the point where they got to the stadium and turned up with the duck at the end before we played the game of football. So I'd seen about an hour and ten of the hour of the 90 minute film. It's it's funny. And Tom Hiddleston going, long lips and age are bombs. The bombs and that pigeon and the dad jokes with a football. It's it's a man and his hog, not a man and his dog. And Ardman know how to do that. And that's actually quite useful because we'll get onto that in a little bit. Um, my sister, for my birthday, decided to get me, as well as the lovely new Liverpool away kit, um, a bunch of films that she adores, but I've always sat there and gone, I'll watch. I and mean, I've tried to find it and I can't find them anywhere. Um, so she got me them all for my birthday. And one of them because I already have her favourite film of all time, which is The Truman Show. Um, one of them was her second favourite film of all time, which I've desperately, since I've moved out, looked everywhere for. It's not on Now TV. It's not on Netflix. It's not on iPlayer. It's not on All 4. It's not on Disney+. Plus. was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know that much and didn't know why it was the case and what was going on or whatever. And it was beautiful. And it was lovely, and I think I ruined it for myself because way the film opens, about five minutes after that, I was like, ah. So the film's opening is actually... So when it came to the reveal later on in the film, I was already like, oh, I know where this is going now. Ah. Oh. So I think my film nerd brain ruined the end of Eternal Sunshine for a spotless mind for me, and I would have felt a lot more like... Oh, I mean, it was still sweet and it was still lovely. And some of the cinematography was brilliant and the way the mind works. And how young was Mark Ruffalo? Oh, my God, how young was Mark Ruffalo? He was brilliant. Jim Carrey was on top form. And Kate Winslet, I think it's probably her second best performance uh, behind Revolutionary Road. Because Revolutionary Road is absolutely outstanding. But... And now she absolutely rocked it because it was such a thing that she doesn't normally do. And it was it was brilliant. And, yeah, I just messaged my sister at the end of it going, thank you, perfection. Now watch this. <laughs> and she's like, right, you've got to get through the rest of them. I'm like, hang on, you know, give me a chance. It's other stuff I want to watch and do. You know, we're getting to Christmas soon, so we're going to have some Christmas films going on. You didn't give me any of those, did you? Um, so, yeah. I finally watched Eternal Sunshine of Spot this time, and I'm very happy that I did. Um, I then thought, oh, I'll find something for 90 minutes on Netflix just to chill out and watch before I go to bed because I was getting up to go to cinema earlier the next day. Um, so I put on Spree, which I thought was just comedy and wasn't that kind of a horror. And it turns out it is a comedy horror and it's a lot of horror and it's very scary and there's lots of bits where you think, oh, that's horrendous. Especially there's a bit where he drills through the top of someone's head. That's, oh, it, it was fun. It was a clever way of doing it and watching all the social media kind of stuff and it all being kind of done in real time was quite clever. But... Some of it was just like, oh, was a bit like, no, I don't really want to see this. Not at like half past 11 at night. Why did I put this on? So I'm pretty sure if I put it on again, knowing full well what I'm getting myself into, I'd actually enjoy it a hell of a lot more. Um, but 
it was still good. It's still worth it, but I wish I'd known it was more sadistic than it actually was. It just it just looks like it's a lot of fun where it's actually quite dark and quite like, oh, oh, not nice. So that was spree. Uh, the next day I got up and I went to the cinema. I went really early and it was me and a load of parents with their kids to go and watch the new Disney film Encanto. But they had a Disney short beforehand from, from far from the tree, which was so sweet and so adorable. It was just, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was all right. Then Encanto happened and I was all right and it was all going pretty well and some some songs were for the sake of it and it it was a bit like uh, and then there's an end bit where grandma reconciles with her granddaughter and that hurt that got me crying <laughs> as someone with only a grandma left um that was like oh god oh uh, yeah that was that was properly sad and really heartbreaking but i had to watch it <laughs> yeah it's um it was a good Disney film. Um there will be kids in years to come that say that are there. There will be kids in years to come that sit there and go like, well, Tangled and Frozen are peak our generation, but Encantos are Hercules. Does that make sense? You know, it's not gonna be one where people go on about it for years upon years, but it is a good Disney film. It's better than some of the animation that you get from some of these places, anyhow. So it is worth a watch. Your kids will love it. You might not love it as much. You'll like the morals and you'll like the, the story of it, but it could have been a little bit better. Um, but yeah, your kids will enjoy it. Your kids will think it's magical. And we'll be like, so yeah. Speaking of magic, Frozen. I know. I should let it go. I can't. It was the first time I'd watched Frozen since I'd seen Frozen 2. And obviously I now know what happens in Frozen 2 and what goes on. I just sat around for I'm gonna be alright here. I'll be fine. I won't cry and uh, and then Olaf gives that speech about love and friends and feelings, and then he goes, Some people are worth melting for. And I started crying. <laughs> it's also a fact that it's sisterly love and not anything else. But I am now a firm believer of the theory that the trolls of the bad guys of the film are not Hans, because Hans at no point had shown anything dodgy at all. I know that then it's the big twist bit, which is like, <gasps> which, you know, Olaf goes on about. Um, but he hadn't. So the trolls cast a spell which made Hans evil when she didn't get married. That's what happened. And that is not very good. So, yeah, booed the trolls. <laughs> But, you know, standing in my lounge singing Let It Go, it's still properly cool. I need to add that to my festive playlist, don't I? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I will do that. Um, yeah, so that's good. Um, and then I went and saw um, an advanced screening of a film which, come, which is out at the moment, which is called uh, Boxing Day, uh, mainly because the last time they had an advanced screening was when King Richard was on. And it was for Reggie Yates' new film, Pirates. And I wanted to see that. And I thought, oh, no, if they keep advertising it, it'll be in a load of cinemas. It'll be fine or whatever. The nearest cinema showing Pirates in Southampton. Mm. Yeah, that's a trick. And it's not even a cine world that's showing Pirates. It's an Odeon. So I thought, I'll go see Boxing Day because then when it's not out anywhere, that's fine. No, Boxing Day is out everywhere go to any cinema I wanted to go and watch Boxing Day so um but 
it was good it was clever it was a good way to show the dysfunctional family christmas and all the stuff that goes on at christmas and the traditions and struggling to put on nativity play okay yeah it is the extreme because it is a world famous author and a world famous pop star and a published a publicist as well that's doing this and you can tell quite early on where this film is going okay maybe that is just me with my nerdy film knowledge but it is um it was quite good actually to cast Leanne Pinnock as the uh, female lead in the film um, because obviously she's a big pop star but by having her as the big pop star in it when you saw her you just went ah Leanne pop star so you weren't sitting there and going like, oh. if she'd have played someone else you might have sat there and thought hmm this is a bit weird this is a bit odd um, but that was clever casting it was a bit of a passion project for the writer actor and director in it but it was good snowing in London at Christmas, but at least not much of it set, which was pretty good. Yeah, you can sit there and you watch it all fall in all these Christmas cars, and you say, Oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. but it didn't. So that was that was all right. So, Boxing Day, Boxing Day is a good way to start your Christmas film watching, but it's not going to be one of your time favorites, let's say. But I also wanted to laugh a bit more than I actually did watching it. Um, laughing brings us on to House of Gucci. Which was a good film. It did drag on a little bit. Um, but it was like Jared Leto was in a different film. What his performance was amazing. But it was like he was being all wacky and all weird. I mean, that person might have been all wacky and all weird in actual life, but you know, it's a bit like, hmm, you you're meant to be in this film, mate? Okay, fine. Uh Gaga and Drivers performance is brilliant um their chemistry is amazing um and driver in winter wear is something i always want to see i mean and driving anything i always want to see if i'm honest um but it was good um it did drag on a little bit i like the fact that it told you all behind the scenes and everything that happened and all the internal fighting or whatever but you went from suddenly having no time jump to suddenly like ah now we're gonna put around the date up because you need to know this hang on what? What's going on? What's going on? Um, there was one bit which I found hilarious and wasn't meant to. Um, it was the point where they get married and they're at the church and the church organ's like warming up. And I've always been of someone where when the church organ warms up and wherever it is, I've always sat around and gone like, that always sounds like George Michael's faith when they're busy going. <laughs> so I'm busy doing that in church and it went, dun, 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 guess it would be nice. Do, 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 do. I know that everybody's got a body like you. I like that. I liked all the 80s and early 90s music as well. That was always good. That's always a good vibe checker. It is. Everything's 80s and 90s at the moment. It's amazing. Um, the, if you know the story, you know full well um, how it ends. And... I understand why we started that way and why we ended that way, but it was just more of a case of, oh, 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 okay, fine. You know, don't tease us at the start. Why not actually show it for work start and then go backwards to show how this has then happened and do it that way instead of then have it linear. Could have been jumping a bit all over the place. That would have been cool. Um, it did get to two hours, and I thought we were almost wrapping up, and I looked down at my watch, and it said another half an hour. I was like, okay, what else have we got? And I was starting to get a bit bored of it. And then they sat there and went, oh, we need this, this, and this. What's going to happen here? 
and then they said the word, and then this per- no, not we didn't say a word, but this person just sat there and they had their hair slipped back around their very thin tie, and they went, Well, and I was just like, It's Tom Ford, don't even need to tell me it's Tom Ford, it's Tom Ford. Ah. <laughs> well, an actor playing at young Tom Ford, but oh, saved the last 30 minutes of the film, Tom Ford. Thank God for that. <laughs> but yeah, it drags on. Ridley Scott should stick to actually action films. Um, and I'd also like to say to Ridley Scott, he took a pop at millennials for not going to see his films recently. Um, I've been to see two Ridley Scott films in the cinema this year, and I'd say in both screenings, more than 75% of people at the cinema were millennials. Hmm. You're picking up the wrong people, Ridley. You really are. <sighs> now we're going to get to some festive films. We're going to start with Robin Robin. It's a 30-minute film on Netflix. It's Ardman. It's stop-motion felt animation. Uh, it's got some nice little songs. It's got some nice little Christmas messages. And it is adorable. Little actual Robin. It has these amazing mouses. It's so cute. And she's so sweet. And it's so lovely. And then suddenly you just see this magpie in the background. And I knew this person was in it, but I didn't know who I was going to voice. And just saw this magpie. I was like, Richard E. Grant. <laughs> And the voice came out of it, and it was Richard E. Grant, and he was amazing. And some of the faces he was putting, you could tell that Richard probably been in the booth, kind of like, Gillian Anderson as a cat as well. That's good. It was just, it was a proper festive warm hug. And it's 30 minutes, and it's perfect. And you just sit there and just think, yeah, yeah, they've nailed that. Ardman have still got it as a British person, Ardman's rite of passage. So. I loved every second of it, and I've basically messaged everyone in the entire world telling them, you need to watch Robin Robin on Netflix. Um, I then decided to put my Christmas tree up, because I wanted to check I had enough decorations, because this is the first time I've lived on my own at Christmas. Um, and I bought the tree, and I bought my baubles, and I thought, well, what else do I need to decorate? And for the last couple of years, whenever I've decorated the tree, I've put on the Muppet Christmas Carol. So I watched Muppet Christmas Carol once my tree was up. And, yeah... There's something in the wind. There's muppets everywhere. Although the fa- the fa- one of my favourite things is that we're Marley and Marley. <laughs> and so the fact that it's Jacob and Robert Marley and it's for um, Statler and Wardorf. That's brilliant. And the fact that one of the shots behind Michael Caine's head at one point is uh, Mickles White. That's hilarious. It's just so good. It properly sticks to... The Muppet Christmas, no, no, the actual Christmas Carol story, which is really good. You know, it, it dumbs it down in points, parts, but it is humans and Muppets all living together harmoniously, and it is actually the main story. And the fact that they leave when death turns up, not death, the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. And as a child, that petrified me, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Um, and as an adult, I didn't watch the film. I watched it when I was about seven or eight and was scared and my sister was scared and we didn't watch it again. I only start, I only watched it again when I was like 20. And since then I have, I think I have watched it every Christmas. Um, but death is still pretty scary. It's probably like, you know, your little kids watching that. Not nice. Not nice at all. But, you know, the Muppets at Christmas is brilliant. And... Uh, the little rats going, this is my island in the sun. And Michael Caine giving that epic performance. And yeah, yeah, it's not Christmas without the Muppets, is it? <laughs> um, 
I then wanted to watch something different, which was festive. So I had a route through Netflix. And they've got a series of films called A Christmas Prince. And that was so... Oh, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I did a tweet along to it. And when something happened halfway through, I'm like, oh, this is an acorn. He wanted to give it to me this year, last year. And, and oh, it must be really important to him. And I just started going like, Acorns and MacGuffin. Acorns are bloody MacGuffin. I, mean, I haven't realised it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. Da, 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 da. And it was. The acorn was a MacGuffin. It had the clues as to who was actually the right for heir to the throne. But there was no chemistry between them at all. She had to have royal makeover, which every film now does, where it's royalty because of the Princess Diaries, um, which was all right when it was Princess Diaries, but every film since has been like, oh, we're really doing this again. Um but there was a moment where I was like, oh, it was sweet. Of uh, little girl called Emily, she's special, she was brilliant. Um, but it was badly acted and oh <sighs> do I do you give the rest of them a go? Is it better if I watch all three? You know, I thought watched the first Twilight film and thought that was horrendous, and the second one was sort of atrocious, but they might get better. We'll see. We'll see how I go. We'll see if I run out of out of Christmas films to watch. There's a lot of them at the moment, so probably not <sighs> much like the final film that i saw um i saw it on iplayer a couple of weeks ago but this was out and i was like oh i can watch that and then i haven't got around to it and just thought no i've watched I've, my problem is i've watched the last one of this film series before so i know i knew roughly what the format was going to be um i watched nativity uh with martin freeman and ashley jensen and Pam Ferris and all those kids and Alan Carr as a film critic oh not a film critic um a nativity critic from a local paper and Ricky Tomlinson was a mayor and oh, it was sweet and it was nice and it was funny and the kids auditions were brilliant and it was bits were improvised and it was all just madness and Mr Poppy was amazing the um, teacher the teaching assistant and it's all about how he doesn't like Christmas now his girlfriend left him now he's gonna get Hollywood to come do it she's now a big shot Hollywood producer and whatever and it's going all right and it all starts to fall apart and he sits there Martin Freeman's character and he opens up a box of Christmas wishes to see what kids all want for Christmas and the first one's like oh I'd like this I'd like that and I'd like to be Joseph and you think oh, okay and the next one's like I like this and I like that and I like what's the teacher to get his girlfriend back and I'd like to be Mary, please. And the next one talks about world peace and wants the teacher to not be sad and that's when I started crying and then the rest of them, you just sit there and you read all these kids' heartfelt messages and I know it's a film and I know it's meant to make you go all soft and gooey inside but it made me go soft and gooey inside and I sat there and had a little cry watching the Tipsy and then you just sit there going like, come on Hollywood, Turn up at these kids' play, and the fact that they do it at the cathedral and it all goes weird and it's all wonderful, and didn't matter what happened at the end of the play. The play was a MacGuffin, and when we got to the end bit, it was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool, yeah. And it was just a nice, warm hug, and it showed the best in people at the time of year and what people actually think and what people actually feel. And it was a good Christmas film. It really, really was. And I'm glad I've seen it. I'm now going to find um, uh, Christmas uh, Nativity 2 and Nativity Dude, Where's My Donkey Part 3? Because I have Nativity Dude, Where's My Donkey? I think I won it at a film quiz. I'm going to check that. Um, but I've seen Nativity Rocks, which is the fourth one, which had Craig Robert Horwitz in it. That was hilarious. 
And so I know the setup now, so I can actually um, get on with it and be like, yeah, yeah, these are good. So I'll probably binge them and not the Christmas Prince series unless I run out of them. So yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> that has taken a while. I'm so sorry. You've all heard me rambling on for 22 minutes about films I've been watching, but there was a lot to get out here. I needed to get a lot of it out of my system. So thank you for listening and thank you for not skipping. <laughs> That's what I've seen in the last fortnight. I've had some gems in there and there's some not so gems that you can definitely catch up on. I think it's time to look at what you've all been watching at home and at the cinemas for the last two weeks. It's been a very interesting fortnight. It really has. So let's start off with what you've all been watching at home which starts off with the previous week, um, the week up to the 24th of November, where number one in the film chart was Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. It leapt back up to number one, which was pretty good. So Aside Squad had dropped down to number two, and Paw Patrol was at three. Um, there was a lot of Harry Potter and a lot of Marvel that week that was re-entering, obviously because of Eternals and because we had then just been past... Um, Halloween and all of that stuff. So yeah, there was also a few little nods to a few Christmas films coming back as well, which is shown a lot more in this last week's chart, one up to the 1st of December, where the animated version of The Grinch with the Cumberbatch was at number one. It had leapt up from number six to number one. Um, the rest of the top five were Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, The Suicide Squad, Paw Patrol, and then Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Elf also made the top 10, and so did the Arsene Wenger documentary Invincible. But you're looking through this list, and suddenly Polar Express, Art for Christmas, uh, da, 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 um, Last Christmas, um, and The Nativity have all leapt back into the top 40 films, which is pretty good. It means that you're all getting into the festive spirit at home. So what do you do, people? Why not? Now it's time for what you've all actually been going out to watch at cinemas. So let's have a look at this, shall we? Let's just get through it and, yeah, let's tell you. So the 19th to the 21st, there was obviously going to be one film that was going to win that week. It wasn't No Time to Die. <laughs> I know it has been for the last few months, but it wasn't. It was Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes, it was number one. It took 5.8 million quid which is pretty good. Eternals was at two, that took 1.6, and No Time to Die was at three, and that took 1.2. I'm still amazed that people are still going to see No Time to Die. I really am, especially for that long runtime. I mean, and okay, we can't talk about it yet, but I'm amazed that we can't actually have a conversation with it because people still go into it. I mean, how many times are you watching No Time to Die? I went twice. I went twice to see No Time to Die. That was a, enough <laughs> at the cinema for the runtime and for the amount of length it is and for the emotional turmoil. It's still a good film, but you know that's still quite a long runtime. Um, so for the fact that it's still taking over a million pounds every week is pretty impressive. 
if you are still going to see No Time to Die, you know where to find me. It should tell you at the end of the podcast. Um, message me, okay? Uh, fourth is June, which took 800,000. King Richard was the next highest new entry, which took 760,000 at five. The Boss Baby with 470 was at six. Spencer with 400,000 was at seven. Venom at 300,000 at eight. Ron's Gone Wrong with two, four, five at nine. And the Adams family too with 200,000 at 10. Um, there was a few reissues this week, um, so a few more um, art things. So, Drive My Car, Neon Genesis, and Romeo and Juliet. But, um, a couple of places were also showing Harry Potter. No, none of the big chain cinemas were showing Harry Potter, but they were um, somewhere. We showed um, Nomad Land, that was interesting. One cinema hosted the night of Nomad Land, that took. 207 quid that's pretty good um but yeah so it's it's an interesting look when you look at it at all you're thinking oh okay yeah that's fine and you're just thinking oh yeah that's good but yeah ghostbusters afterlife won that week which was pretty good um then we get to the 26th to 28th of november and we have another new number one so after like two months of not having a new number one since bond came out suddenly we've had three in three weeks which is pretty good <laughs> bit of variety um number one um was house of gucci house of gucci took 3.2 million pounds which is very good uh ghostbusters was at two and that took 2.7 and then the other new entry um big new entry was encanto the new disney film which took 2.3 million eternals was at four and that took 700,000. no time to die is finally out of the top 10 and took 650,000. only just beating june which took uh 610,000. King Richard was at seven with 300,000. Boss Baby at eight with 183. Venom um, with 163 at nine. And A Boy Called Christmas, which had simultaneous releases on Netflix, Sky Cinema, Now TV, and Cinema, took 161,000. Which, considering it was in so many different places, that's pretty good. I'm impressed by that. Um, other new entries this week were Shepherd, which took 19,000. Uh, Reggie Yates' debut film, Pirates, which I didn't get to see, which I've already talked about, um, that made 72,000. Um, but there's a few more um, kids' films that are being re released um, Paddington 1 and 2, um, The Grinch that Stole Christmas, and The Grinch. Um, they've been re released in that week. So that is a very interesting week to see. So yeah, you've all you're all starting to get in a bit of a festive spirit and you'll go and see some different things. It was a very close race in that last week for the top of the chart in the cinema. So it'll be interesting to see um where we go and um when West Side Story comes out, whether it can hold Spider-Man off. I doubt it. <laughs> um but yeah, so that's a very interesting fortnight. So your number ones have been the Grinch, uh da -da -da Shang Chi. Ghostbusters and House of Gucci. I'm not sure that's ever been really said in a sentence before, all those films together, unless it's me, really. Yeah.
yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having a self-think here. So, yeah, that's what you've all been watching at home and at cinema. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of the coming forward charts are Christmas-dominated and whether West Side Story holds off Spider-Man. Yeah, that's what we're all waiting to see, isn't it? It really is. So I'm here now to chat about what makes a Christmas film a Christmas film because there is a yearly debate online whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas film or not. As you've heard from my rundown of what I've watched in the last week, I've not watched Die Hard yet this Christmas. Um, I'll probably actually watch Die Hard 2 before I actually watch Die Hard, <laughs> which is, I know it's a weird way around, but Die Hard is actually one of my most favourite films in the world. Therefore, it is my favourite Christmas film. Um, but I understand what people say that, ah, Die Hard's not a Christmas film. It just happens to be set on Christmas Eve. You know, he could have taken down that building on Valentine's Day or New Year's Day or uh, Easter or um, 4th of July. You know, it didn't matter what day it was. He took, he would have taken out those people in that buildings anyhow. But it's the fact that he is there to see his kids at Christmas and they're all at a Christmas party where they decide, actually, we're now going to take over the Nakatomi building. That makes it a Christmas film. Okay, it doesn't snow. And it's not on like, oh, it's a warm, cuddly Christmas film, is it? But it is a Christmas film. I mean, the mu all of the music's actually Christmas film, or Christmas music throughout it, you know. It, it ends with Let It Snow. We've got a Christmas rap at the beginning. The band are all playing Christmas music in the 30th floor. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And... You know, cutting the power on Christmas Eve. It's a Christmas film. Die Hard is a Christmas film. Um, so that then brings up the discussion about what else is a Christmas film or what makes a Christmas film. Um, Catch Me If You Can is another brilliant example of this. I believe Catch Me If You Can is a Christmas film because he always catches him or speaks to him at Christmas. You know, at the end, when he goes to see him in prison, he's got the Flash comic books, which was when he spoke to him at the start of the film at Christmas. He was called Barry Allen, which was the Flash. He got him in France on Christmas Eve. He then goes back to the, to America on Christmas Eve. He calls him on another weekend, in Chris, another year in Christmas Eve when he's on the phone. It's, it, it is a Christmas film. There's a lot of snow. There's a lot of Christmas music in it. And you do just actually sit around thinking, yeah, 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 it is. Um, you can also say the same for Iron Man 3 because he's escaped and it's snowing and everyone's coming together for the holidays and Tony ends up in the garage and whatever and it goes from the lovely warm LA to a very cold and very bleak uh, mid of America to sort everything out and to rebuild his life a little bit and then it all goes wrong and it's all about not the man the man out of the suit, not the man in the suit, if that makes sense. And for um, Guy Pierce to then be revealed as the actual villain of the piece. <laughs> but it that's a Christmas film. And it, you know, it just has we just need to have this debate as to what makes a Christmas film a Christmas film. A Christmas film should come with some sort of Christmas analogy, but it I think it just needs to be a comfort film. I know that the first, the second Paddington has nothing to do with Christmas at all, but the first one, the end of it, when they're all playing in the snow, 
and the love and the warmth of the characters in it and the love and warmth that you feel for it makes it a Christmas film. And therefore, if you want to watch both Paddingtons, which you should do back to back, I mean, it should be right of passage where you watch Paddington 1 followed by Paddington 2. It would mean that they're both Christmas films. So I'm guessing it's the way it makes you feel, you know, lots of people say about Harry Potter or Christmas films because in every film it snows and it's mentioned that oh, there's a Yule Ball or it's Christmas Eve or they're going to the restricted section or they've gone back home for Christmas. You know, every, apart from the last one, every single Harry Potter film references Christmas because it's part of a year cycle. So at the middle way point of whichever story or film you're watching, they mention Christmas. So... Yeah, I know we all have our favourites, but I think we need to rethink about what makes a Christmas film. I think it is just the love and the warmth. And if it makes you feel a little bit emotional and you watch it around December, you can link that back to being Christmas. Um, as I've gone through in my chat earlier, I watched Nativity and there was a point, and I was just going like, yeah, yeah, that's fun, yeah, that's cool, and there was a point and all the kids have written letters to Santa and it was all about their teacher and it was all so sad. And it was, written, you were watching Martin Freeman, he was reading all these letters and you just heard the voiceovers and the first one you went, oh, I remember the next one you thought, oh, I remember the third one broke your heart, I remember the next one broke, and it was just, oh. But I think that's it, I think it's, the reaction it has between us and the people we watch it with and the people that we spend time watching it with and how it makes us think about it. You know, unfortunately, I've not got around to watching them yet, but I can't log that the Gavin and Stacey Christmas specials are Christmas films, which is a huge shame. <laughs> they are. But, you know, every Christmas, sit down put on the Gavin Stacey Christmas special because yeah it is Christmas it actually is a Christmas film but it's about a dysfunctional family at Christmas well not dysfunctional but weird but weird but we love them you know um there was one Christmas a couple of years ago where we all as a group of friends all cooked different parts of Christmas dinner and went around to someone's house and had it and had a lovely evening or whatever and we had Christmas films on in the background and one of the ones they put on at a certain point was the first Gavin and Stacey Christmas special because the second one hadn't been out yet, hadn't even been considered to be made. Um, and it got to about 10 minutes in and suddenly all these little boxes appeared on the table. Like, oh, okay, what's all this, what's all this about? And we were all told to go around the table one by one to open these little boxes, which had come from Santa and Rudolph. And we opened them and the first person that opened it got, a galaxy shuffle. I was like, oh, okay. And we went around the table and I worked out what was happening after the galaxy truffle and then the galaxy. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew once we'd gone past person four, what was in my box. And I had a little bounty because the point is that you all just go, oh, I've got a bounty. But, you know, that's an in joke. You know, I'm walking around right now speaking to you. And I'm wearing a cotton head and ninny muggins t-shirt. Some people will look at that and be like, why has she got a top that says that she's a cotton head and ninny muggins with a random hat on it? It's Elf. Elf is beautiful and Elf makes you think and Elf is the actual quintessentially best Christmas film in theory because, you know, it is actually about Christmas and about Santa and, well, it's not about baby Jesus, but it is about all the qualities in Christmas and what, um, not being by humbug and the best way to spread Christmas cheers is to sing out loud for all to hear. And I'm of um, 
opinion that if you think that a film is a Christmas film, it is, doesn't matter if anyone says no. So all those people out there that are going, oh, Die Hard's not a Christmas film, Cash Me If You Can's not a Christmas film. They are Christmas films. They make me feel happy and they make me feel warm and they make me feel good. And I want to feel like that at Christmas. It's the end of the year, everything's winding down, everything just feels, ah. So if a film can make you feel like that, it's a Christmas film, if it's set in winter, definitely. So I should probably stop talking and start watching a few more Christmas films, don't you think? I mean, I know I've already watched a lot, which you've already heard about, but yeah, I want to feel warm and fuzzy. Time for my big review of Fortnite, which, as I said in my rundown, is the first film I saw of Fortnite. So it's actually you've been I have actually seen this film before you heard my last podcast. So it's been a while, but I still just want to talk about it. It's King Richard. Yeah. <sighs> Will Smith, you're gonna get that Oscar. You're gonna get that Oscar at last. At last. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting jiggy with it. No, 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 no. Seriously, there were points I was watching this film and he glimpses every now and then at something and you just think, oh, it's Will Smith. But the way his hair was done, the way he was dropping some of his letters or when he was speaking, his attitude, um, the facial hair and the shorts and the jumpers, it was like it was actually Richard. It was Richard Williams. <laughs> and he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Uh, it's not to say the rest of the cast didn't nail it because you're sitting there watching the rest of them going, like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Especially the lady who played his wife. She was amazing. And the two tennis coaches. And the fact that we randomly have, like, ah, oh, there's a random tennis player. There's Pete Sanford. There's McElroy. There's this one. Is oh, Everyone just nailed it. But Will Smith is finally going to get that Oscar come March. It's March this year, isn't it? Yeah. So that will be brilliant and we'll all be so happy when that happens. I mean, if anyone's going to beat him, they're going to have to put on one hell of a performance. They really are. I mean, I'm probably the only person that is likely to get close might be Denzel, <laughs> which would be a huge shame. Um, but no, I think this is it. I think this is the moment where he finally gets it and we all sit there and go, yeah, yes, at last. Thank God for that because it's pretty special. And, okay, yeah, I am a little bit biased with this film. Uh, someone that loves watching tennis and grew up watching tennis and grew up watching Venus and Serena and being, like, about eight and watching them, watching Venus from Wimbledon and being like, who's that? And then many years later, then actually going to Wimbledon and watching Serena play, that was amazing. So I felt more connected to it. It didn't mean that I wasn't shocked when some stuff happened. I mean... I know what the outcome of the film is. We all, if you know tennis, you know that she has this match. And when she's ridiculously young and she is mind-gamed out of it, basically. Um, but I knew that was going to happen. Yet I was sitting in my chair going, come on, girl, come on, come on. You can do this. You can just get her out and sort that out and yeah you can do it and I know full knew full well in the back of my head but she's losing this game <laughs> and I was still sitting there completely compelled by it going like come on yes love win 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 and that's how good a film it was and that's how well it was made because even though I knew the outcome I was still wanting her to win um 
the 90s and late 80s retros very in that moment maybe it's because that's what i am i am a very late 80s baby who grew up in the early 90s and is a millennial uh, sorry to all you people that think millennials are snowflakes but you've been listening to one for the last few weeks or months or however long this has been going on for but all of the outfits were spot on from the shorts to the hair to the way they lived and various things that were going on at certain times it just felt right and you you felt like you were being transported back to the 90s it felt that good and it was just that pure and organic yeah it had the correct feel to it um watching them on the tennis courts be it the ones in Compton or the ones in the nice resorts or tournaments you're just sitting there going like yeah yeah this is good yeah this is pretty cool yeah yeah this is all right it just had the correct feel for it i love the fact that it kept in in the bit where he swept the courts okay it wasn't as bad as what it actually was in real life with all of the syringes and all of the horrible stuff on there but i like the fact that i mentioned the um crime and the shootings and people like that and how they were going to be an inspiration and an icon and what they would actually do to change their lives and what they actually came from initially and what they had and to always be grateful especially when they had that bit with the cinderella there's a part where he makes the kids sit down and watch cinderella and then ask them what they learned from it and then when they don't give the correct answers um he basically goes right we're watching it again because he wanted to drill in the manners and the um support and to not take for granted where you are because it might be taken away and look back at where you've come from which is both what all those girls all still have when you watch them and you see them play tennis you sit there and think yeah oh yeah this has happened and that's happened so that was very good that that was still kept in it felt so real it's just a really really good film Okay, maybe if you don't know the story, you're sitting there going, mm-hmm, but surely everyone knows the story of Venus and Serena. And the fact that at the end of it, it says, by the way, they actually do go on to achieve every single thing that uh, their parents set out for them. That is properly special and that is good because, you know, I could have just left it at that point and just been like, ah, and Venus and Serena did this. And the little montage at the end of all of their great victories and all of their moments and the serena slam and everything it's just brilliant uh, yeah so belfast is currently the favorite to win best picture and it's a ken's favorite to win best director but i'm seriously sitting there thinking well if that's the favorite how exceptional is that film going to be because it's got to really go some to beat king richard okay i said earlier that I was a bit biased by it and I thought, oh, well, this is this and that's that um, because I know the story and I've watched them. But it really is going to have to go to beat some. I'm not sure so can can. He might win Best Director still, but nah, in my opinion, King Richard is the front runner and award season is properly a go. <laughs> is that for this fortnight's podcast thank you all so much for listening and taking the time out of your busy schedule especially at this time of year to listen to it it's always appreciated you know where to find me by now it's popcorn underscore four underscore one on both twitter and instagram and it's popcorn for one 
www.co.uk online to actually read the blog. Um, you'll also find on there my uh, Christmas newsletter for the last year, which has gone on about more personal stuff. So you can have a read through that if you want. And all the blogs, all the reviews are slowly going up because things are a bit busy. Speaking of things being busy, I do intend to be able to get a podcast up of some description on the 22nd of December. It might literally be me having a rundown of what I've watched and not having a big review and looking at what you've all been watching at home. Uh, but I have every intention of getting one done for the 22nd. Um, and I also have every intention of getting one for the 5th of January too. But hopefully I will be speaking to you on the 22nd of December. Don't expect any of you to listen to it because let's be honest, you'll all be busy doing what we'll all be doing. Going to Christmas parties, hopefully, seeing your friends, listening to a few cows and watching more Christmas films. You know, maybe actually go to the cinema to watch some of the films that are coming out because Christmas and January, lots of films are coming out. It's going to be madness, but it's going to be fun. So yeah, I will see you, well, you will hear me on the 22nd of December, even if it is for 10 minutes. And that is it. Look after yourselves. When you're called up, go get your booster shot of COVID. And yeah, well, not of COVID, but of a vaccine for COVID. And yeah, I will speak to you all on the 22nd. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye.